Jenny Turner with Lovejoy Real Estate. Today we're gonna dig deep into landlords and taxes and how as a landlord you can save money on your taxes. Today with me here is David Jaffe. You wanna introduce yourself? Yes, indeed. David Jaffe. I'm with a company called CSSI, Cost Segregation Services Inc. And we do a number of services for owners of rental properties, both residential and commercial, to help you keep more money in your pocket. So let's talk about that a little bit because we all pay our taxes. That's our responsibility. Yes. But I'm all about paying as little taxes as I possibly can, right? Certainly. So one of the things when you own a rental property is depreciation. And one of the ways that we write off our rental property income is through depreciation. Mm -hmm. How can digging deeper into the way we depreciate items help me on my taxes if I own a rental property? Well, it's actually been allowed since 1997, as it turns out, for you to speed up that process, taking larger deductions earlier in your ownership. And obviously, the more you can deduct, the more money you keep in your pocket. And so it's got a technical name. It's called cost segregation. What it really is, is accelerating your write-offs on the building. So let's take the commercial property we just bought. Sure. Um, we bought it old 1979 classic, nothing had been done for a long time. Mm -hmm. uh, we moved into it, then we did a bunch of work, yes. and now we've just moved back into it. Mm -hmm. So things like I put new siding on it, new windows, new flooring, like how does that work from a tax perspective? What does that change? if I do a cost segregation study on it, than if I just was a normal landlord and filed my taxes. Sure. Um, in a normal situation, when you buy a building, it's considered one lump of property. And you take depreciation as you normally would. Now, if you've got a commercial building, it's a 39-year life for tax purposes. For residential, it's 27 and a half years. Okay. And you can think about depreciation as sort of uh, a bucket of money that you're able to take over time. Accountants always talk about putting money into buckets. So let's think about it. If you've got a residential rental, you've got 27 and a half buckets that represent all the money that you paid for the building. And every year you get to gulp down one bucket of money. Yep. Cost segregation allows you to basically go to all those buckets, scoop out 15 or 20% and throw it into the first couple of buckets. So your beginning deductions are drastically larger than the others. Now, what this represents is a whole lot more money in your pocket, and the IRS not only doesn't argue with it, they actually recommend it. In effect, it's an interest-free loan from the government because you're taking deductions now that you wouldn't qualify for for 10 or 20 years. Right. So you're front-loading those deductions. Yes. If, hypothetically, I own this building for 30 years, which I probably won't own this building for 30 years, mm -hmm. but if I did, mm -hmm. at the end of the day, it would be equal, right? Because I'd have a whole bunch more depreciation up front, and That's by right. year 27, maybe I wouldn't have hardly anything, right? That's right. Um, but it helps in the short term, honestly, fund those improvements I've made because it'll put more money in my pocket today. Exactly. I understand that on a commercial basis, mm -hmm. but let's talk about it on a residential basis. Because mm -hmm. one of the things that Charles and I did this year was we sent you our other rental properties right. and we had you look at them. And the one that really surprised me was the house that we own in Hood River okay. because that's a short-term rental. Yes. And I didn't know, but I guess I found out that on a short-term rental, the IRS makes that depreciation be extra long as well. That's exactly right. Um, commercial buildings have a 39-year life, residential 27 and a half years. But residential doesn't mean that somebody's living in it. Residential means somebody lives in it on an average of 30 days or more. So your typical Airbnb scenario or your vacation home, it's going to be a lot less than that. So that's a 39-year tax life as if it were a minimum. Interesting. So when we ran those numbers on our, on our Hood River house, it was kind of a no-brainer. Like 
to do. I mean, like it made a lot of sense from a math perspective, right? And that's where I think it was really helpful for you because you went through and did that analysis yes. and said, okay, if you spend X amount on the report, here's the after-tax benefit yes. of doing it. And then we analyzed, okay, should we do that in 2022 or should we do that in 2023? Right. Because we've owned that house for about 13 years, but that didn't seem to matter. Like you don't have to do it when you first buy it. That's exactly right. The question is how much money do you have in the building? And we would do a free analysis to figure out how much you're likely to get by going forward with a study. Um, and in your case, it was quite compelling. And it usually is. What ends up happening is in your after-tax money, because our fee is actually tax deductible, right. um, in after-tax dollars, we tend to return anywhere from 10 to one up to about 25 to one for each dollar you pay us what you're keeping in your pocket. And I can see this being a much bigger benefit for my friends in the real estate world, right? Because sure. we have, we have, we're able to depreciate more than if you're not in the real estate world. Mm -hmm. But for the average mom and pop investor who might have one or two or three rentals, mm -hmm. what's the secret to knowing like, hey, this might be beneficial or this might not? Is it a cash flow thing? Or how does that look? What should they think about up front? The thing to think about is profitability. If you get to the end of the year, and you are making money on your building, not just scraping by, breaking even, uh, but actually making money, then you're paying tax on that money. Right. And by doing this process, you are actually going to shelter that until you end up selling it in the future or rolling it forward into another property. So if you're, not, if you're just breaking even, it's probably not worth doing. But if yeah. you're not, it's worth getting a free analysis to see if it makes sense in your case. So let's take, we have a little rental, and sure. when we ran it through originally with you, it didn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. um, we weren't making a lot of money on it, but now we're in the process of updating it. Okay. And something that I heard mentioned was cash for trash. So we took this little rental, we've had it as a rental since 2015, okay. and now we're taking out the cabinetry, taking out the appliances, buying new cabinetry. How does that work from a tax perspective? Okay, so when you've put a building into service, uh, presumably, all of this is earning you money. It's in good condition, it's earning you money. So if you end up doing a repair on it, that's its own thing. But if you end up taking it out completely to replace it, then for short-term rental buildings and for commercial rental buildings, you're allowed to do something called a partial asset disposition. Again, a fancy accounting term. What you're doing is get giving uh, getting rather a deduction for things that you've thrown away. These old cabinets are supposed to last so many years. Yep. You, you've put, you've owned them two or three or something. You throw them away. New ones you have to put on the depreciation schedule and and depreciate. The old ones though you get a tax deduction. That's why we call it trash for cash. This is about the only thing that I'm going to tell people about today that you have to do the same year that it happens. Okay. This other stuff, you can come in and say, oh, I should have done it two or three years ago, but you can do it now. This one, you've got to do the year that it happens or you lose it. And that's only on short-term rentals or commercial, not on single-family residential. That's correct. Not got on it. regular residential. Got it. Is there anything else as a landlord that I should keep in mind from a tax savings or a lot of times we're talking right now tax deferral, right? Yes. You're not really saving the money in taxes, but you're deferring it and passing it down the road. Yes. When I go to sell this building, for example, I'll have to recapture that depreciation mm -hmm. and it all comes out in the wash. So maybe if I was going to sell something next year or in the next 12, 24 months, mm -hmm. maybe it wouldn't make sense to do this. Is it more of a longer hold thing? Yes, it's so cost segregation, which is the biggest thing we do, but not the only, is purely a timing play. So yes, we're going to give you a bunch of extra money up front, and then you need to put that to good use 
uh, whether it's paying down debt or investing somewhere else, yep. once you've basically paid back our fee, everything else is gravy, everything else is profit. But it's a matter of using the money over time. So if you're gonna sell this thing next year or the year after, pretty certainly, it probably doesn't make sense. With a few exceptions, which I'm happy to talk to people about. Got it. So I know that there are more benefits for me because I'm in the real estate industry as a real estate professional yes. than for like my friend who's a nurse and happens to have a rental property. Mm -hmm. Is there any way for that nurse or like say our videographer who has a rental property, mm -hmm. he's in the real estate world, right? He does all of our content creation, but he's not a real estate professional. Okay. Is there a way for him to get some of those added benefits through that IRS aspect? Absolutely. Anybody can get the benefits. Um, you're effectively running a business when you're a landlord. Right. However, getting rent is considered a passive activity as far as the IRS is concerned unlike whatever you do for your normal day, being a dentist or whatever. Yep. So when you get a deduction from cost segregation, we are creating a passive loss that you apply against passive income. So if you're making money on your real estate, um, whether it's one or whether it's 20, it basically goes in a big pool on your tax return. Okay. You can use the deduction that cost segregation gets, and again, it tends to be very big in the, in the beginning, and apply it against all of those dollars. And that's for regular people, and there's no limit to it. Got it. Um, there is an extra designation called Real Estate Pro for tax purposes, which is actually something that your CPA has to say, hey, Mr. IRS, um, and we highly recommend that you keep records because there are various requirements of time spent and all of that. But if you qualify for that, then the issue of active and passive goes away and the deduction we create for you can apply against any source of your income. Uh, that's the difference. That's so, because I remember when our CPA asked me, and at the time when he asked me, I was still working a 40 hour a week job managing something else. <laughs> and he's like, well, if I call you a full-time realtor, you know, it'll be better. And I'm like, no, I, I, I didn't think at that point I could do it. But digging into exactly what that criteria is mm -hmm. and tracking as a landlord how much time you spend managing the property, actively running that business, because it is a business, yes. and then looking at how much money that business makes is going to be part of the key to this. That is part of the key to it. Um, and that is for normal stuff. The fun thing that I should mention here is that the short-term rentals are their own little animals. Right. Um, they're different because they've got the longer 39 year life. They're also different because they are considered active income. So as long as you are doing at least a hundred, you personally are doing a hundred hours a year managing and whatever services, and you're doing more than any, anyone else on that building, you can call that active income such that the deduction we get for you there can apply against any source of income. And I'll definitely tell you, like running our short-term rental mm -hmm. is definitely more than hundred hours a year. Like yes. there's no question. Charles, Charles does that, not me luckily, but he certainly spends more time on that with bookings and managing and process and repairs and all of those kinds of things. So that would be a pretty easy bar for somebody That's to hit an easy bar. if they have a short-term rental. The other one is tougher and we highly recommend you keep detailed records because they're, it is such a huge benefit that the IRS will look at you. And if you are a dentist or a, a plumber or anything else saying that you're a real estate pro, which means you're doing more than half of your work doing real estate stuff, they will come down on you. So keep a notebook on when you drove there, when you looked mm -hmm. that up, when you got somebody into repair. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm not very good at that tracking stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but I track. Highly recommend it if you're going for real estate pro for yeah. tax purposes. I know it, it did make a big difference. And that yes. year I said no. And I think that was like 
I don't know, 2000. And by the next year, we did it full time, right? And ever since we have been. But it takes a while to go through that. For sure. Anything else that a landlord, or maybe like a newer landlord, as you're thinking about going through this, because we've talked to a lot of people and they're like, oh, I'm a real estate investor. Mm-hmm. And then I ask, how many rentals do you have? And they're like, well, I don't have any rentals. I'm just going to be a real estate investor. Okay. So as we talk to these people who are looking towards this wealth building, right? Because buying rental property, I mean, for us personally, has been one of the best wealth building things we could ever do. And we have a 401k and we have the other things, but real estate has been the thing that over the years has moved the needle the most. What advice would you give to somebody looking to start that path? Well, I'm a specialist in only one part of this. So I'm going to recommend that they look to other sources about how to do it best, but I can help people save the most off of their taxes. For example, when you have to do depreciation as another example when you do repairs. One thing I will recommend is when you're talking to a a CPA or an EA, someone who's going to do your taxes, make sure that they're pretty well versed with real estate specific stuff. Uh, A big thing is repairs and whether you can write them off that very year or not. (laughs) Yes, there are some complex rules. Now, the IRS has actually made it easier to understand, but this is easier for the IRS. This is not easier for regular people. Right. Um, But there's a big difference in what you can and should take and can justify if you're ever questioned. So make sure you're getting a good a good tax pro who's familiar with it. Do you have some examples like if I replace a roof, is that a capital expenditure so I can't write it off in the first year? Do you know those things? Yes. Um, So without going too far in the weeds, in general, you're looking at a couple of things. The first thing is based on the new rules. And I'll come back to that in a second because the new rules give you new opportunities for old spending, which is pretty amazing. Nice, yeah. Uh, But based on the new rules, you figure out whether you can uh, call something a repair and deduct it immediately based on how much you're paying relative to that system in the building. So if you know what all of the, we'll say, heating, ventilation, and air conditioning is, that's the units and the vents and duct work and all of that, um, based on spending about 35% or less of a replacement for all of that stuff, you can immediately call it a repair and not have to worry about it. No matter how big the number is. So if you've got a giant office building, you could spend $300,000 on a repair, but because it's small relative to that system in the building, you can write it off without worrying about it. it. And that didn't used to be the case. People would get concerned that it was too big they wouldn't take the deduction. They would add it to the depreciation schedule and then slowly over 39 years, take little slices. So the IRS made it more generous. Yay. Um, now, if you improve things, you replace your windows with double pane glass. That's mm-hmm. an improvement. Improvements you have to put on the depreciation schedule. Got it. But then you mentioned trash for cash. So that's technically called a partial asset disposition trash for cash, easier to remember, where these windows, which were supposed to last the life of the building, you only, let's say, got five years out of them. Well, they were supposed to last for 39. We both, we all know that they were in junk condition or you would not have thrown them away. Right. Yeah. But nonetheless- The IRS doesn't look at it that way. The IRS thinks, well, they only got five years out of a 39-year life. You can take the rest as a deduction. So as part of throwing that away, you take this deduction which offsets much of the fact that the new windows have to be put on the depreciation schedule. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, so yeah. one of the questions I had was like, when we bought this building, mm-hmm. it was old and crappy, right? It was yes. built in 1979. 
It had already, I'm sure, been depreciated by the previous owner. Does my 39 years start over when I buy it? It does. A building when you buy it is brand new for you based on the dollars that you just paid for it. Depreciation starts that day that you put it into service. It doesn't matter how old it is. Got it. So in this building, we bought it two years ago, let's say. Mm -hmm. We moved into it immediately. So we put it into service immediately. Yes. Then we replaced all the windows. Okay. So my old crappy windows mm -hmm. are right off in some way. Same year or the next year? That I moved into it. I moved into it in October. We replaced the windows the following year. Then you can get a partial asset disposition on that. If you buy a building and you immediately start replacing stuff, the IRS figures you bought it knowing that, let's say, uh, the windows are junk, so you can't get credit for that. I didn't know the windows were junk, but I didn't do it the same year because the windows had to be ordered. <laughs> but you didn't do it the same year. Okay. And so you're actually able to take advantage of that. Interesting. Okay. We might have to dig deeper on that off camera. So when we went through and looked at our rentals, mm -hmm. one of the rentals that really made a lot of sense from a cost segregation study was a rental that we put a lot of money into. We bought yes. it kind of trashed. We did a bunch of work, but if you're a landlord and you, because, because when I'm talking to my clients as investors, I like them to buy houses that are kind of dumpy, okay. but rental ready now. Okay. And so I encourage them to buy it. Don't put a bunch of money into it, put a renter in it. And then at some point when you're ready to sell it, let's fix it up then and, and launch it through. So if you've bought something as a landlord and you haven't really spent a lot of other money, you know, you bought it, but you put it into service as a rental pretty immediately. Okay. Is that a math problem that usually works or is there any framework around that that they should keep in mind? Or does it just come down to how much profit they have at the end of the year? Well, what you're going to get from cost segregation depends on what we find inside the building. So what's going on is we're effectively looking at all the pieces that aren't the shell and the structure. So cabinetry and carpeting and blinds and moldings and interior walls and windows, stuff like that. So the more that we find, the more of the dollars of your building we can say it's actually a short life. So the nicer the treatments and finishes we find, the more dollars get assigned. But even buying a, a pretty dumpy building in the beginning, generally we find easily enough that justifies a study. Uh, and then as you put more money in going forward, um, we help you, at least my company helps you, to know how to categorize that because many times you can immediately put that in a bucket without getting us involved again. Mm -hmm. uh, or if you do a big major renovation, then it probably justifies an add-on study because of that much money and yeah. having to split it up properly. I think we're going to have to do that on the property we're updating right now. Like, I mm -hmm. think it's going to be worth it because I'm probably going to spend... I don't know, I'm a good shopper, but I'm probably going to spend $30,000, dollars okay. with cabinetry and flooring and blinds and all those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And so by the time we do that based on the sales price of the house, I think it's probably going to make sense, or at least fingers crossed it's going to make sense. <laughs> that's the goal. If nothing else, it's going to be pretty, right, for my next renter. Absolutely. But that's, that's the tax savings part of it's important. Yeah. Anything else that we didn't talk about that you think would be helpful to people? I would go into a little bit more about doing repairs because mm -hmm. you, you want to deduct as much as you can, as soon as you can, Absolutely. always. That has nothing to do with real estate. That's just common sense for finance. Um, so knowing what you're allowed to take and doing it properly versus what you have to capitalize slowly is important. So that comes back to my mentioning get a CPA or a, a tax yeah. pro it's who's part of your familiar team, right? with this stuff. Like you're part of the team, your CPA is part of the team, yes. and my world, my financial planner is part of the team. Like it's working together with all of that. Yes, exactly right. Um, now, when you do a cost segregation study, because of the change in what you're allowed to repair and how you justify doing it, the IRS made it not only more generous to owners, they made it retroactive. 
So when we are looking at doing a cost sex study, one of the things we will look at, did you do repairs in the past that you capitalized and put on the depreciation schedule? Because if it's likely that under the new rules, you could have deducted it instead, you're supposed to deduct it instead. And the IRS actually wants you to go back in time, pull those dollars forward and turn them into a current year deduction. It's interesting that the, like, cause this isn't like, we're not doing loopholes. This is actually right. what the IRS says, right? Like this is the framework that they're like, Hey, landlords, please follow these guidelines. Yes. Yes. Um, COSSEG has been around since 1997 when the IRS lost a huge court battle. Um, and the judge said, IRS, you must come up with a way that people are able to accelerate their depreciation write-offs on this stuff that legitimately wears out quickly. Right. Um, and then changing the repair regulations, they went through years and years of um, trying to come up with something that made sense for everybody. And they put them out as, uh, as tests for like 2012. Finally, in 2014, they put out brand new stuff, which, as I said, is more generous to owners and can be applied retroactively. So a lot of times we will give someone more dollars than they expected, even from the cost seg, which is generally more dollars than they expected. It's, I mean, that's the main reason I wanted to talk to you today. You know, we were at a Tom Ferry conference probably six years ago, maybe five or six years ago. Okay. And this guy was on stage talking about it. And he was talking about it under the framework of commercial buildings. Mm-hmm. And that's all he said, like commercial buildings, you can do these things. Yes. And honestly, it went right over my head, right? We didn't own a commercial building at the time. It didn't apply to me. I had no idea. Right. Now, in hindsight, I wish I would have understood better. Yes. Because I owned my Hood River house at that point. And I, there were lots of things that could have benefited us, mm-hmm. but we didn't understand enough to ask the questions. And I think that's something that's important around that whole education is it's like having some of the language so that you can ask your people, right? Yes. And in my world, I'm like, well, why didn't my accountant tell me that? Like, why didn't he say to me, hey, you should do a, do a cost seg study? And I don't, I mean, I don't know if it's because he didn't know or if it's because he didn't think it would apply. I have no idea. I mean, I, I do know I have a good tax attorney mm-hmm. and a CPA, but, but it never, he never brought it up until I came back and said, hey, what about this? I run into that frequently and I've found there's sort of a number of reasons that you won't get advice like this from your CPA. But when I talk to an owner, they'll generally say, I've got a great CPA and I'm sure if it would have helped me, he would have done it already. Um, and and all then you're I can, like, no, 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 no. <laughs> all I can tell viewers is, no, that's not been my experience. Yeah, um, it wasn't our experience. Yeah, but there's a number of legitimate reasons I think that they wouldn't. One is they don't know enough about it. It's very um, specialized, be, right? It like, is very, very specialized. I mean, they're supposed to know 79,000 pages of tax code, and this is a very small fourth, only 4,000 pages. So it's difficult to know it in depth enough. If they don't, you know, better not to give bad advice and and just leave it off. Um, But another reason is some of them who know enough and know that they can't do it well, but they don't know somebody they can trust, a third party to do it, And the third one is a a lot of tax pros really are doing your taxes. Um, So you may assume that they are business advisors and they are out there beating the bushes looking for opportunities for you. But but classically, that's not the case. So when you would do the cost segregation study, Mm -hmm. I can also write that cost off, right? Because you're giving me like that's a cost of the process. Talk to me about that. um, I am a deductible business expense. This is a business service, yep. uh, even though what it does is starve the IRS for dollars, we're deductible. Got it. So it's really looking at that after tax savings yes. that we're going through and doing that. Correct. And that's what we're going to do as part of the analysis. A lot of people assume that if they don't do it the first year or two, it doesn't make sense. But you mentioned the one in Hood River. 
Um, as a rule of thumb, if you paid at least $250,000 for your building and you bought it or you built it or you've done uh, a meaningful amount of renovations, it probably works even if you've owned it up to 15, 18 years. It's certainly worth a free look-see. And if it doesn't make sense, I'll be the first one to tell you. And in our market, everything costs 250. dollars <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, that's yes. like every single property. Although I do yes. happen to know that's just the building cost. That's not the land cost. Is what that's correct. About, right? Land not being depreciable, that has to get subtracted off. Yep. Um, as one other thought, um, manufactured homes tend to not pencil out very well. So even if you spend a lot for it, we're generally not able to pull enough dollars out to, to buy. Got it. Well, David, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. This has been super enlightening. And if people have questions, they can reach out to you. Of course. Uh, my phone number is 503-329-3993. And email david at costsegsvcsforservices.com. Awesome. Thank you so much. Jenny Turner with Love Joy Real Estate. I hope you learned some things about how to save money on taxes today. And if you have any questions, reach out to David. He has been a plethora of information for Charles and I, and we really appreciate it.